Now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome to the Two Guys at a Mic Show, TalkZone.com, midweek Wednesday, hump day, if you will, here on the Two Guys at a Mic Show. Thank you so much for joining us. Beautiful, beautiful autumnal day here in the fine city of Chicago. we got lots of baseball to talk about. We'll start to take a sneak preview of the football games coming up this weekend, maybe even have the big dog take us around the uh, NFL division by division. I don't know, uh, what do we say? We're not really, we're past a quarter, but not quite a third all the way through the NFL season, time flies when you're having fun. But we can take a sneak peek, maybe uh, see what we can extrapolate from the games that have been played already. We'll do that on a midweek Wednesday. All that and mucho, mucho más from the two guys at a mic show. Let's play a little bit of music, courtesy of producer David Olson, and then we'll get the show. Thank you very much, David Olson, for our Joe Manix uh, lead-in music. I still think that's the uh, stolen from the detective show Manix, starring Michael Connors. But that outstanding prelude to our 54 minutes and 18 seconds of sports talk and more here in the Two Guys in a Mic show. Thank you very much. You want to join us here on the uh, conversation? We're more than welcome to have you. 888-463-6748 is the phone number. Again, 888 888- Four six three six seven four eight. Dial it up early. Dial it up often. Big dog and the coach. Actually, right now it's just the coach. We're waiting for the big dog to uh, call in. And I did not realize, but uh, kind of cool, you know. And football is first and foremost. Here during this particular time of the year, the baseball playoffs have uh, kind of been pushed a little bit. I think in the sporting mind to the back seat. But you start watching the games and you forget. At least I do. And I like to think there's at least a, you know, a small population of America out there who has the same sick and sordid thoughts that I do. But you almost have to watch to be reminded how good the baseball playoffs can be and how good pressure-packed October baseball can be. I think a lot of us, if your team particularly is not in the playoffs, and Lord knows we here in Chicago know how that feel, uh, not just this year, but just about every year, um, you know, thoughts can turn to football. Thoughts can turn to football and Halloween and Thanksgiving and the holiday season. The colder weather, baseball begins to be an afterthought. i got to admit, it has happened to me. I probably, and I love baseball, love going to the games whenever I get a chance, not just Major League Baseball, minor league games, high school games. Love the sport of baseball, but probably this year, more than any other year, I watched less baseball, be it in person or on TV. Just followed it less. Don't know why. Not planned, it's just uh, you know the, the way the lifestyle hath gone. But uh, watching bits and pieces, and I haven't sat down and watched a game start to finish. But of the uh, late-season games, I did watch a good portion of the baseball elimination games, the wild-card elimination games. Good stuff, one and done. Me and Big Dog both agreed that it's not the best necessarily for baseball or for the teams involved. 
got to be a, a little bit more fairer way to do it than to play 162 games and have it come down to one. One freaking game. I mean, that's just not fair. But from a viewer's standpoint, and David Olson, our media and television critic, and by the way, on the docket for today, if we have any uh, fall TV shows with the new shows out that you can um, recommend to folks, thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in other particular areas, um, we'll mention some of those shows too. But the TV ratings, the TV ratings for those wild card elimination games, I heard were off the charts. Off the charts. So, you know, from that standpoint, it was Na- a Nationwide or in those particular markets? I thought nationwide. I thought, again, talking about the the wild card game, that one game, you know, playoff game. I'd like to see the ratings of that. It'd be interesting to see that compared with game one, like the next day. Or the day after when those teams that won played game one of a best of five. And I would think the uh, uh, TV ratings probably especially nationwide, not locally, took a significant chunk down. But people did tune in for the one-game playoff. But the bottom line is, the thesis, the provocation that I'm trying to pass on to you in my 5,000-page essay that was assigned by General Manager and Commander-in-Chief and occasional boss, Mr. Chris Whitting, what I'm trying to get across to you is that uh, the baseball playoffs, you got to watch it. you got to get hooked on it. And once you do start watching it, you will get hooked on it. And a lot of us, I think, have kind of strayed away from the sport of baseball. You just got to sit down and pay attention a little bit, give it a couple of innings of late-night baseball action like the Oakland A's and um, Detroit Tigers yesterday. And by the way, I'm embarrassed to say I did not make it to the ninth inning. I heard Detroit came back and scored a run, 2-1. to one. But I watched like 6th, 7th, and 8th inning. <laughs> and it wasn't even because I fell asleep, which is my usual Melody, and, and I would, you know, a lot of times as any semi-irregular listener to this program, we got a lot of semi-irregular people that listen to this program. Um, if you do, if if you do listen, you know more than often, more often than not, I should say, the next morning I will watch the conclusion of a particular football or baseball game. I can't stay awake. I tape it. Nice, quiet, early in the morning cup of coffee. I watch. I forgot to tape it, so I didn't get to watch. It was two nothing. Heading into the ninth, Tigers scored a run, so must have been suspenseful. Bottom line is, Oakland A's hang on to win it. Two to one, force a game four. Even a bigger bottom line is the fact that this is great stuff. Great baseball. Great suspense. Great drama. Great theater. If you're a sports fan, even if you're not a sports fan and you like the emotion, the raw emotion and the drama that sports brings, uh, you know, this, this is for you. It's good stuff. Great stuff. I think it was two to one. Check the score on that, David. I just saw. Scroll that came across the screen said 2-0. Maybe it's, maybe I got a 2-1 in game. So maybe Oakland did shut him down. Now I don't feel so bad in the ninth inning. I know the bullpen was cruising uh, through eight innings. At any rate, now today. today yeah, Oakland did win 2 to nothing. 2 nothing. Okay. Yes, so, sir. So now I don't feel quite so bad. But uh, today, how cool is this? Four consecutive games. I did not realize. I'm used to kind of the, you know, two games on one day, two on another day. Maybe we get three. I open up my Sunday morning paper, and as I've just described to you, my uh, my baseball intensity, pick it up, my baseball love, which has been almost for nil. That's probably a little bit drastic, but significantly for nil compared to previous years this season. All of a sudden, picking up a high gear to baseball testosterone, kicking in, and I read my paper this morning. 12 o'clock game, 307 game. 
637 game, 810 give four consecutive games. Back to back to back to back. We got baseball playoffs from start to finish starting at 12 o'clock. It's a beautiful thing on a midweek Wednesday. Let me welcome in my good partner who's just checked in. Hopefully he's excited, as excited about the baseball playoffs as I have suddenly become. I admit, I'm a Johnny come lately, but at least I'm Johnny and at least I came lately. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. Hopefully it made a little bit of sense. Let me welcome in my good partner who always makes sense. Sometimes you disagree with him. Sometimes you agree with him, but he always makes sense. Dollars is another situation, but he can make sense. Big dog. Joel Radwanski. Big dog, how are you? Doing all right, Coach. You... I'm pretty excited myself about uh, uh, about this exciting day of baseball we got in Woo! front of us. Wow. 12 o'clock noon, and we can go game by game. Let's let's, let's saturate a little bit. But first of all, uh, last night, did you make dollars, or did you just make sense? Well, I made no money yesterday. Uh... It's, uh, it's an awful tough week the last couple of days. Ouch. Ouch. Well, you've been working hard. So you get a little little bit of time off, but too much time off, not a good thing. No, 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 not at all. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah. No uh, tours at Chinatown last night? Uh, No, no, no tours. Like I told you, it starts this week. So. All right. All right. Well, I don't want to worry you, but we might be sending a, uh, what do they call it, Dave, when you send, you know, a, Sneak person in, undercover, what's the term I'm looking for? A uh, a decoy, there's a better word for it. A mole? Yeah, it could be a mole, could be a decoy. And one of those tours you're giving, Big Dog, there could be someone representing the station. I'm just saying, I'm not saying. I'm not really worried about that because I know you guys, you didn't even come to my kayak trip. Why would you go to this? <laughs> if producer David Olson, that never, I know he was scheduled to rain that day. I, we, yeah, rain that day. So we never I, had a I was going to go. I was all set to go. How do you like and that? Then, and then I, a little thing happened called having a baby, and having I got kind of tied baby. up. I wasn't, I wasn't talking about you, Dave. I was talking about Coach. He's the one that keeps bringing it up. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Gotcha. About that. I am going to come down and partake in a workout at the East Bank Club one of these weekends. So, so. That would be good. That would be good. Hey, Make I'm, sure you're in shape. I broke ostrich burger bread with you last week, Big Doug. That was nice, Coach. <laughs> Surprising, by the way. Oh, very, very good. We're going to do more of that in the future, but let's enough of that nonsense. Let's get down to some baseball talk here. Again, uh, fans, you want to check in on the conversation, join in, talk about your favorite team, some of the matchups from yesterday, good games, feel free. Give us a call, dog and a coach, 888-463-6748. The phone number right down the list, 12 o'clock noon, straight up, big dog, San Francisco and the Reds. What a game it was yesterday, huh, Giants? In 10, 2 to 1, and suddenly a little bit of pressure, a little bit of um, intestinal closure, if you will, on the backside of the Cincinnati Red. Yeah, and who would have thought at all that uh, Scott Rowland would be the guy that makes the error that cost the Red the ball game? Him of yep. all people. Crazy. Off the bat of uh, Buster Posey, right? Yeah, I mean, Buster Posey being in the middle of it doesn't surprise anybody yep. whatsoever, but. Uh, uh, the fact that uh, Scott Rowland makes an error, you would never expect that. So, mm-hmm. in the game of the baseball, you just never know what's going to happen, Coach. All right, now you got. Speaking of, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, the fans, again, some of which are just starting to get into it. Let's go back a little bit, Big Dog. Johnny Cueto, the number one pitcher for Cincinnati Reds in Game One, was it the first inning when he had to leave with an oblique injury? 
Yeah, it was after the first batter. He had thrown eight pitchers. Wow. Eight pitches. Did we lose you? We lost the dog. After eight pitches. <laughs> Johnny Cueto out with an oblique. I'm hearing, by the way, i got to talk to Big Dog because, uh, all right, we got him back? No. Uh, i got to check with the Big Dog because more and more, David, also we're hearing about the oblique injury. Now, the obliques are right around the ribbage area, right? Correct. Kind of uh, your obliques are on the side of your abs. Side of the abs. Okay. Also known as the side of the body or the side of the ribbage area. But it is interesting because more and more, right, we got the big dog back. I want to ask him about the sudden increase, maybe that's a little bit too drastic, of the oblique injury. But continue on, big dog. So Cueto gets injured after throwing eight pitches. After eight pitches. And he's done, and they, they pull him out. And uh, so they end up using all different types of, uh, of pitchers. And actually, for a one-game situation, it wasn't all that bad because the Reds started pitch-hitting for their pitcher every time. So it was like the Giants were facing a, a nine-hitter you know, lineup instead of an eight-hitter lineup, and it ended up paying it off for him. Uh, Matt Latos comes in, throws four innings of unbelievable relief. It only allows a run. They gave Sean McCure to win on game one. That was that was the. Uh, but you would think at this point the Reds have totally decimated their bullpen because uh, Matt Latos, like the the guy that they had to move up now, wasn't going to be able to start the next game because he had to pitch the first game, and there they needed four and two thirds innings of relief out of their the rest of their bullpen. You would think they'd be decimated, but luckily for them, they scored nine runs in game two, and their pitchers basically pitched without any type of. Uh, pressure on them whatsoever mm-hmm. and then the day of rest I, I think helps them and the adrenaline is going so they, they do need a good start from somebody considering well, though that the number one pitcher is out but that's the question right now and again Cincinnati is ahead in the series it's amazing how one game can turn the momentum though and all of a sudden San Francisco a lot of players not that far removed from their great run two years ago get a little bit of confidence on that error by rolling the win in the 10th and Cincinnati starting to feel it a little bit, particularly because you mentioned they have to do something with their starting pitching. Well, the big question, Big Dog, is who is the something or somebody that Dusty Baker calls today? Matt Latos, one of the candidates, but he has he's in a bit of a quandary. You, you know, it, it, is, it is a tough situation. Like, what are you going to do? Because do you pitch Latos on three days rest because he only pitched four innings the other day? And I, I think that is the option that they're going to have to do, Coach, just for the simple fact that they can start the game two pitcher, uh, Bronson Aurora, in game five, just in case they need him. I, I mean, what, what are you going to do, just give up game four and have Matt Latos and Bronson Aurora available for game five? You know, that doesn't going to do anybody any good. Mm-hmm. So I, I think they have to pitch Latos today. Interesting. And I'm sure Matt Latos. Who, by the way, like I like I mentioned last week, has the lowest ERA in baseball since uh, since June first. Mm-hmm. I think he's man enough and is paid enough to go on three days rest after only throwing four innings, considering that the the red season is uh, is on the line basically because they have to. There's no reason to have two starters in Game Five, Coach. No, and if you're the Cincinnati Reds and you lose again, momentum. The feeling, and again, the, the fact that so many of those San Francisco Giants were around a couple of years ago, you're going to be up, going up against a large uh, swelling of momentum if you lose that game four. So Matt Latos would be your choice. I think it'll be Dusty Baker, but you better have the bullpen ready because 
How often has Latos gone the full nine this year? Uh, he doesn't, like most pitchers, he doesn't do it very often. I would say at the most he did it one time this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, the Reds and their bullpen, they're not worried about that whatsoever. Uh, Aroldis Chapman, Jonathan Broxton, uh, and Sean Marshall, you can say, well, you know, Broxton was on the mound when they lost the game. Well, he got him out of the inning if Scott Rowland catches the ball. You know, so, uh, those three guys would be all right to pitch, uh, two days in a row. Mm-hmm. Great pitching duel yesterday. Time. Homer Bailey, who of course is red hot coming off the no hitter, pitched very well. Ryan Vogelsong, phenomenal story for the San Francisco Giants. Big dog comes through yesterday, pitches, uh, almost gets through six, but he pitches solidly and, you know, what the kid's 35 years old. He was out of the majors, jumping around from team to team. Basically gave up his career in baseball. His wife said, you're not done yet. Get your ass back out there. And he's become a, a star the last couple of years for the Giants. Kind of a cool story. Yeah, yeah that, that that is a, a really good story. So uh, what are the Giants going to do in game four? Are they pitching Matt Cain or are they going with Tim Lincecum? They basically gave Tim Lincecum $20 million to pitch two innings of postseason baseball. Wait a minute. In game four? No, they're starting Barry Zito today. So which would be Matt Cain in Game 5, they basically told, they're basically saying, Tim Lincecum, yep. you're not good enough to be in our postseason rotation, is what they just said. You're not strong enough, you're not nice enough, and you're not good enough. Welcome to Lincecum's neighborhood. Uh, yeah, I mean, basically that's, it's, he, he had a brutal year, what can you say? And I think yeah, he was like, yeah, he was horrible, but he was at least good in September. You know, so I thought mm-hmm. maybe they give him a shot considering that he's won the Cy Young Award twice. You know, but no, the guy's 25, 26 years old. He's washed up, coach. Mm-hmm. No, I don't know about that. One year, right? I mean, that's yeah. basically it. Prior prior yeah, to that, I, he was an ace, so we'll see. Yeah, I wasn't washing him up. I just we'll see. That. But that's another reason why you don't give, and I'm not sure what the contractual status of a Tim Lincecum is. Two years, $40 million. All right. And he got upset because immediately afterwards, they gave Tim Kane, uh, uh, Matt Kane, a yep. hundred and twenty-five million dollars over six years, mm-hmm. and at that point, Tim Lincecum had two Cy Young awards, and Matt Kane was two games above five hundred for his career. Mm-hmm. I would be upset too if I was Tim Lincecum. Yeah, but maybe the San Francisco Giants and the decision makers there knew what they were doing. Yeah, it looks after one season. Yeah, <laughs> it looks like it. But then after one season, you could also say you just gave a guy forty million dollars that had an ERA above five. That's a good point. So you know you can look at it either way. Got to be painful being an owner. You know, it's easy for us reading the sports pages. Ah, come on, pay the guy the money, pay. But if you're the owner, I don't care how much money you have. It has to be a. It's got to hurt you in the pocketbook, and b. For these guys, even worse, big dog. It has to take a chunk out of your ego. It's got to hurt you both places. When you're paying millions and millions of dollars to a guy who a either gets injured or b who just fizzles out, has to hurt. Yeah, like when it was Sam Zell and uh, Alfonso Soriano, that money it didn't bother me so much. But you know, but mm-hmm. that was starts bothering me a little bit. A little yeah. bit. Well, look at Jerry Reinsdorf. And again, baseball fans that are uh, tuning in here, we're talking the playoffs game by game by game by game. We got four beautiful games coming at you starting at noon today. You can watch baseball. From 12 o'clock to about 11 o'clock tonight. Last time I checked my math, that's about 11 hours of October playoff baseball, big dog. Not bad. 888-463-6748 if you want to check in. We'd love to hear from you. 888 Our very own guy, Jerry Reinsdorf, uh, broke serve, if you will. In a rare moment in time, he gave 
John Danks. Seemed to be a safe bet at the time, a long-term, pretty well-paid contract, and sure enough, third of the way, quarter of the way through the season, Johnny Danks breaks down. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, he didn't give him a big time, a long-term deal, as you consider, but for him, it was long-term. Yep. For a White Sox uh, contract, it was one yep. of the longer ones yep. that you'll get. How do the Angels feel right now? You have Pujols, 10 years. 10 years. What, $400 million, some ridiculous price. It's great, you know, no, Albert Pujols might be the best hitter, pure hitter I've ever seen in my 50-some years of watching baseball. But, Doggy hit, what, 285 and 30 homers, and this was supposed to be the best year of the 10 years. Exactly. It was supposed to be the best year. Yeah. Think about how think about how the the Angels feel right now because Albert Pujols isn't even in their top three players that they have. No, top, he'd be top three. But Jared Weaver and Mike Trout are I would rather have on my team next year than Albert Pujols. Forget money. If I can just start a player, I would pick Jared Weaver and Mike Trout before I would take Albert Pujols if money is not even considered with that. And I guess he he is better than. The other guys, like I was, Tory Hunter had a better year than Albert Pools. There's a bunch of guys on their team that did, mm-hmm. but legitimately, Jared Weaver and Mike Trout are better. So their third best player has a 250 million dollar contract that is owed nine Ooh. more years. Think about no, that. No, no truth to the rumor that Mike Trout, at age 19, has come out and said, "I want Pools money and long term, or I'm done playing." No, there's truth to that. <laughs> there is, huh? All right, we got a bunch to cover here. Big talk. Game number two, and the Reds and the Giants, definitely worth watching at 12 o'clock. I think that's going to be interesting. Oh, all uh, the, every single one of these games right now, even every game on the schedule today, yeah. is just like, wow, there's such significance in every – no, no clinch, there could be clinching games all up and down the board, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's you know, for the, the Yankees and the Orioles. That's a 1-1 series. I no apologize. I got it mixed up. I'm going to hold our media critic and media analyst – I'm sorry, analyst – now I'm going to call him an analyst right now, David Olson, our producer, for not correcting me. But I got the 3 o'clock game. 3 o'clock is the Giants and the A's. At noon, we're going to kick off with Game 3, Big Dog, of St. Louis Cardinals. Longtime listener Uncle Larry is going uh, doing handstands over his beloved Cardinals here. Um, taking on the Washington Nationals, that series even at 1. And, of course, the Cardinals... Getting on the run last year, they got the whole World Series championship defensive thing, but Washington Nationals, uh, arguably the best team from start to finish consistently in baseball this year. How do you see this one playing out? Game three today, Big Doug. Yeah, uh, uh, who's starting uh, for each team? Chris Carpenter for the St. Louis Cardinals against Jackson for the Nationals. Who's Jackson? Edwin Jackson, coach. Ah. Oh, Octavio Dotel and Edwin Jackson must have the same father because both of them played in 15 teams in the major leagues already. I think they're the same person. Yeah, Edwin Jackson is a four-starter for the Nationals. Awfully, awfully good. Now, uh, the Nationals would be the favorite to win the World Series if Steven Strasburg was still in their rotation. But now they have people like Edwin Jackson pitching their third spot instead of Gio Gonzalez or Jordan Zimmerman. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you, you know, the, the, the Nationals should get it done at home. They're actually a superior team than the Cardinals. The only thing the Cardinals have is baseball magic. And year in and year out, they somehow pull a horseshoe out of They pull the collective St. Louis arch out of their butt <laughs> is what they do every single uh, off or postseason. So uh, the only that's the only thing that the Nationals are a better team than the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. But to rule the Cardinals out is to not know anything about baseball is the only way I can put yeah. it good. 
almost, uh, you know, they almost won game one. That was tight. Nationals pulled it out, came back, I think, and won that game. Cardinals were leading. And yep, then in, they ga- did, they, yep. yeah, in game two, they, uh, you know, Cardinals all over the Nationals. So you're absolutely right. And Alan Craig, some of the um, playoff heroes from last year, the Alan Craigs, the David Freezes of the world are starting to get that, that juice going again. Big Doug, watch out. I'm rooting for the Nationals. Not because I have any anti-St. Louis thing going. Uh, you know, I'm a Cub fan, but I appreciate the Cardinals. But I just think it's been a long time for the Washington Nationals, and they deserve to move on. But i got to tell you, the Cardinals, they got that look again. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. The last time the, that the city of Washington had a postseason victory was 1933 in their loss in the World Series to the New wow. York Giants. Wow. Yeah, who would have, you know, it was like, the Washington Senators lose to the New York Giants. Both of those teams are, are, are no longer around. And But the next time Washington is there, the Nationals, who used to be the Expos, who take on the Cardinals. Well, at least the Cardinals were around back then. <laughs> oh, goodness. Favorite Washington Senator baseball card from days gone by, Big Dog? I'm trying to think of beyond Frank Howard, the bespectacled six foot six. Back then, by the way, six six. Well, it's like football players. There was nobody. When I was young, growing up, that was 300 pounds. Roger Brown of the Detroit Lions, I mentioned him yesterday, was one of the rare 300 pounds. Then Fridge Perry came in. 6-6 for a baseball player was unheard of. Frank Howard was the towering giant. Now, of course, it's almost commonplace. But any other Washington Senator baseball cards in the Big Dog Collection? Uh, I don't have any Washington Senator baseball cards, but if I could own one, there would only be, I'd only need one and I'd have enough money to buy a house. <laughs> you know what it is? Uh, Washington Senators, no. One of the, the greatest pitcher of all time. Walter Big Trade Johnson, oh, I was born, gonna, oh, 17 okay. wins. If I, if you, you get a, you get a, uh, a, what do you call it, a trading card of his that's worth at least 100 grand. Oof. Would that be even more than my Eddie Brinkman card that I might still have? The light-hitting I, shortstop? I, the one thing about the Eddie Brinkman card is it's rare. <laughs> For a reason, huh? Yeah, yeah. Not that they made <laughs> millions of them, but the problem is nine hundred ninety nine hundred ninety nine thousand ended up in the front spokes of some little kid's uh, bicycle. <laughs> All right, don't rub it in. We may have some members of the Ed Brinkman family listening. The light hitting shortstop, but solid fielding. I think just Ryan. As long as I don't, just as long as I don't insult Jim Brinkman, I'll be happy. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, so uh, I apologize for the time mix up, but uh, that kicks us off. Noon, straight up, Big Dog Cardinals and the Nationals. And don't forget, you got the whole two on the road, three at home thing going for the high seats. The Nationals get three games at home. It'll be interesting to see how Edwin Jackson uh, performed. But 12.07 is the scheduled tip-off. So you got that one going on first, and then the Giants and Reds. So really, if you're taping the games, you really want to make sure you watch like the last three innings of each game. Because there's going to be overlap. Yes, there is. There is. There's definitely going to be. Now, obviously, if you're watching live, you can flip back and forth. You got TBS, the MLB channel. Hopefully, I get that. What is the MLB channel? Well, it's it's two thirty three. If you have uh, Comcast, if you have Directv, I have no idea. It's around two twelve though. Hmm. And if you don't know that you have MLB channel right now, I do don't not. call yourself a baseball fan. I don't know that I've ever watched the MLB channel. They put on. Uh, Oh, they have a live baseball game every day. How could you be a baseball fan? You, mister, I'm not just a Cub or a White Sox fan. I'm a baseball fan of all 
they have a, they have a baseball game on every day, every night. It's it's the best channel in all the sports. I typically, I, I rip the NFL Network because the MLB Network does it right. They're always playing games constantly. I guilty as charged. First of all, guilty as charged. I watch the uh-huh. Cubs. I'll watch the White Sox on occasion. I'll watch some ESPN highlights in the middle of July, late June, early August, middle of August. I do not flip over to the MLB channel and watch an Oakland A taken out of Texas Ranger. You should you should hear Tom Verducci and Harold Reynolds uh, argue who has the best arm as a second baseman in all of baseball. <laughs> yeah, who Which won the argument? Who, it is? who won? Robinson Cano. He's the best, possibly the best player in the game right now. All-around player. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Let's By the keep... way, now that goes to the second or the third game of the night. Yes. Yes. Now all of a sudden we're into the evening here. We've gone from late afternoon to evening. you got two games under your belt. And at um, 6.37 tonight, it's Gio Gonzalez and the Baltimore. No, Gonzalez against Corrado. Orioles and Yankees. And, of course, that series is even at one-to-one. And these teams, I feel like they've played each other like 50 times this year, Big Doug. Well, they are divisional rivals, so this is at least their 20th, 21st matchup that I, they have this, this season. I don't like divisional rivals playing in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, well, maybe you can talk to Bud Selig about changing his playoff format. It's not like we're upset about how it's been set up this year. I plan to. At all. I plan to. Familiarity breeds contempt. Too much. Mm-hmm. You play a team too much, but that's what we got. Nevertheless, it's still a great series. Uh, Orioles? Coming back, winning a game, put a little pressure. We're back to Yankee Stadium. Chance, big dog? Chance Baltimore Absolutely. could uh, take it. Right now it's a two out of three. Absolutely. Uh, Hideki Kuroda's, uh, what do you call it, uh, scouting report is known by every single person in all of baseball. He's going to throw strikes. They're going to be low, but they're going to be hittable. They're not hard. And all you got to do is if you're willing to go the other way with a pitch, you will pound him all day long. This Gonzalez kid, this Mike Gonzalez uh, from uh, from the Orioles, has only pitched like seven times. He's only has like seven starts, coach. Maybe ten starts at the most. He's still unknown. He's like the, got the Chris Medlin magic that the Braves had. Mm-hmm. You just don't know what this guy's got. So in some weird way, yes, Corona's got the experience, but the Orioles have the edge because they're throwing out a kid out there who's 20 years old, has no idea how big the game is pitching in, and the Yankees have no idea what he's going to be throwing at them. So uh, I, the Orioles have a legit shot at having a 2-1 lead going into game four. Mm-hmm. And the pressure's off them a little bit because they won that wild card game. They've had the great season, so uh, they can play. And there's still pressure, but a little bit more loosey-goosey than the New York Yankees, who, of course, are expected to uh, seek in advance. Yeah, yeah, I guess so, but it all depends on if you're an Oriole out there. You might be an Oriole that bought into Buck Walters preaching we're a good team, we can win the division from day one, and all of a sudden you realize, you know what, you only have so many opportunities in your life to win playoff series. As soon as they think, oh, it's not that big of a deal, we have no pressure on us. You know, there's something to be said. Watching both the Reds and the Tigers try to close out the A's and the Giants. You could say, well, the Bay Area teams had all the pressure on them. It, I didn't feel that yesterday watching those games. Those guys were focused, playing solid baseball. I don't think the pressure matters as much uh, as you might think, Coach. Mm-hmm. So 
I don't know the, the huge pressure that the, that the Yankees are on. Well, they seem to win a lot of World Series, considering that if they all win the World Series, it's a bad season. So I, I don't think we should put too much emphasis on the pressure that these guys are under, because I mean they are getting paid millions of dollars to play this game, and they're the best of the best. Good point by the big dog. You want to uh, check into the conversation? Baseball heavy on today's show. We'll mix it up a little bit. Coming up, but uh, love to hear from you on the baseball playoffs. Four games on the docket today, starting at 12, ending somewhere about 11 o'clock Central Time, of course. 888-463-6748, the phone number, 888-463-6748. The young Baltimore Orioles, uh, when they started the season, dog, they were picked for fourth in their division, correct? No way. Not by me. They were picked for last by me in their division. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I had... The Yankees, then I had the Blue Jays, then I had the Devil Rays, then I had the Red Sox. So I was right on them. I got them right where they were supposed to be. And then I had the Orioles, Coach. That's exactly how I had the division set up. I thought the Toronto Blue Jays were going to be a surprise team. I'm shocked that it was the Blue Jays, Mm -hmm. that it was the Orioles. Shocked. Yeah, well, don't feel too bad because that shock is uh, hitting about 99.3% of the baseball writers across America, who five, six months ago did not believe in the Baltimore Orioles. It was kind of cool. You know, baseball is such a long season to watch a team get hot early, dog, and the Pittsburgh Pirates, unfortunately, were a great example of this. They held on a long time, but everybody kept waiting for Baltimore to fold. You know, it's a nice story that early on they're keeping up in the East, but it kept on, it kept on, it kept on, and then in crunch time, come the month of September, they did not fold. They won some big games, and uh, here we are, two out of three against the Yanks. Yeah, and uh, they definitely have a shot. And, uh, let's face it, the reason why last week when you asked me who's coming out of the National League, I said the Reds was because of their bullpen. The only reason why I'm saying it for the, the Orioles, the only reason why the Orioles have a chance is because of their bullpen. A bullpen which, by the way, in game one got shelled, and in game two answered the bell yep. all the way through. So yep. that's that's actually a, like, a good sign for them. Right, it's going to be fun to watch. And, uh, you know, you start, if you're a baseball fan and you're going to do the do the baseball marathon here. I'm a little worried, dog, that come 8.30 or whatever the heck the tip-off time is. Let's see, yeah, 8.30, Detroit at Oakland. I'm a little worried that potentially the best, most suspenseful game of the uh, day is going to be when people might be a little blurry-eyed, might be a little burned out from baseball. Save yourself, folks. Save yourself. Do not burn out. I believe Max Scherzer going up against A.J. Griffin. Oakland and Detroit might be the best game of the day. I'm looking forward to that one. Oh, that's, that should be an, a, a phenomenal game, Coach. The A's have all rookie pitchers. Brandon McCarthy was hit in the head and almost killed. Had to have surgery to relieve the pressure off his brain. Bartolo Colon, Colon they actually, uh, the Oakland A's said, you know, you got such a large Social Security check, we're not going to let you pitch anymore, too. So, <laughs> um, so he's not pitching. They have nothing but rookies. And Brett Anderson pitching for him, who, by the way, last night was phenomenal. Yep. So this guy, Archie Griffin, that's going to be going for him, he's known by nobody, so the, the Tigers are definitely at a disadvantage there. So as a baseball fan, Coach, I, I'm with you. I understand that. Here's what we have to do now as baseball fans. You're all excited about this Wednesday having four games on it, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. This is phenomenal. This is what we dreamed about with the division series. Well, as long as the Giants and the A's win their games today, We'll have the exact same schedule tomorrow. Four more games. It's not bad, isn't it? Because like the 
the, the the Orioles and Yankees and the the, the the what do you call it the the Nets and the the Cardinals are playing game game four no matter what because they're both one one. But the other team, it all depends on whether or not uh, if they they can close. And I want to know. I, I got to be honest, the Cubs are not in it, and I don't root against the Cardinals. I swear I don't. I don't really I don't really care enough. All I've ever rooted for is for. Um, one game, so game five. That's all I'm rooting for in all four of these series is for each one of them to get to game yeah. five, Coach, honestly, as a baseball fan. So, so today I'm an A's fan. I'm actually an Orioles fan because the Orioles need to win this game because the Yankees are going to win game four. That's that I'm pretty much, I think we have that set in stone. CC Sabathia is going to move up and pitch game four for the Yankees, which is a, that's a W. So the, the Orioles, I'm rooting for them to win this game. Right, so and then also, I would have to say, I would have to root for the Nationals. Well, I don't know. Maybe the, the the Cardinals need this game more than the Nationals do with Carpenter going against Edward Jackson, Coach. That's the one that I'm up in the air not sure who to root for in the game today. I'm just rooting for the Nationals simply because I'm rooting for the team that deserves to advance. I mean, I like the fact, as you said, it's been, you know, 19-whatever since the uh, Washington Nationals have had success and been in the playoff. But even beyond that, over the 162 games they've proven – that they were the better team and they deserved to move on. So I'd kind of like, I'd hate to see all that come to an end in a short five game series. That's kind of why I'm rooting for Washington. Yeah, I can understand that, especially considering all the injuries and turmoil yes. that the Nationals have faced, and yep. yet they were one game behind the Reds for the best record in the National League this year. Yep. It's truly been a great story. And, uh, you know, you, you do it a little differently. You look at uh, how much the owner has and whether or not the teams are homegrown or not. And I'm not ripping you. for You can root for whoever you want. And i got to be honest with you, I like those teams too. I, I definitely root for them. But the thing that I always root for, and you're going to remember this when I say it, is I root for the fan bases. I root for the teams. Like, I never really had a problem with the Pittsburgh Pirates not going to the playoffs considering they used to average 11,000 people going to their baseball games at that gorgeous stadium. Well, like the Orioles, a little different. The Orioles... It, have sucked all these years, and you know they continue to get twenty five, thirty thousand every game. The Royals mm-hmm. get twenty five, thirty thousand. Well, the Nationals—they drew early because they had a brand new team and a brand new stadium. Well, this past year they were packed every game, so I'm going to have to tip my yeah. The, the National fans took care of business this year, and they deserve mm-hmm. to uh, get more baseball the rest of the season. Go back to the original show, David. I don't know if we how far we archive back, but uh, after opening day, one of only sadly, big dog, two baseball games I attended all year. But um, and not that I predicted the Washington Nationals to have that phenomenal of a season. But the Cubs played the Nationals home opener, mm-hmm. and I went it to the game. And I remember coming back, and I didn't even know much about the Nationals. But I told you, I, you know, I told you over there. I said, keep an eye on these guys. They just you could tell they looked like they were going to be a good ball club, solid, solid major league team. And again. Uh, as you said, they overcame a lot of injuries and had that phenomenal. But I just had a feeling about them after watching that one game. Not much more than a feeling. Okay, so at that point, if I was going to tell you, Willie Ramos, uh, one of the top five defensive catchers in all the baseball, gone for the season. Jason Ward's going to miss half the season. Yep. They're going to rely on a 19-year-old rookie to be their, the, the top of their batting order. Uh, their number one pitcher is going to be taken out of their rotation in the middle of September. Oh, and this team's going to be one of the favorites to win the World Series. Don't I mean, forget, there's, don't, more, there's more that we've missed, too, because yeah, there's a Michael, bunch of other injuries. One of their top hitters, Michael Morse, missed uh, close to half the season. 
Oh, I probably more than half coach three quarters yeah. of the season. Yeah, exactly right. Caveman, caveman, me, Mike Morris, me, hit ball hard. <laughs> Take it easy. Uh, no. By the way, I don't come up with that. You don't watch baseball. Now we've that's insulted the Eddie Brinkman and the Michael Morse families out here. So, uh, well, two per show is not a bad average. No, not that. Yeah. All right. So there you go. So if if we do come back tomorrow, by the way, you will not be on tomorrow's show, correct? Um, tomorrow is uh, I was supposed to do the Chinatown uh, thing, but I had something else come up. I actually, I, I'm so busy tomorrow. I have. A groundbreaking because my girlfriend, my hot Asian girlfriend, is <laughs> a architect. She's an architect for Weiss Architecture. I can now officially say it. Yeah. Tomorrow they break ground on Kerry Wood Stadium built for the Chicago Cubs. Cool. So technically, my girlfriend is getting paid by the Chicago Cubs. Nice. Where will Kerry Wood Stadium be? Uh, you know Lane Tech High School coach. I do. Well. Just south of Addison, just west of Western. So, like Andy's Music Retail and Rentals yep. is located just east of Western. This is just west of Western, okay? But it's on just south of 3600 North Addison. And it's going to be basically the finest high school baseball stadium, maybe in America, but definitely in the state of Illinois. And so Lane Tech, Gordon Tech, and all the local high schools are going to play all their games. There is freaking phenomenal, Coach. You should see this pretty cool looking. This... Every time I go there, Lily's like, I had to change everything again. I had to change everything again. <laughs> and she is the one of the architects for this particular stadium. Yes. Um, is there, it, there's is four it... people that work for the company. One of them is the owner, and the other three people. Let me just put it this way: she's the architect for the. If I no, she'll get mad if I said that over the air because the four people share equally. Is there a hole in the center the field wall that they'll be pulling Andre Dawson out of? I don't know about that. Apparently, Big Dog has not seen the commercial that they've ran like 16,000 times. Um, is it owned by the city? I feel like I'm playing 21 questions here. Is the Kerrywood Stadium owned by the Cubs or the city of Chicago, Doug? Um, Kerrywood is donating a million dollars. The Cubs are donating a million dollars, and it's going to be a, a public high school baseball stadium. Okay. So... Not just for high schools. I mean, will people be able to rent it out and use it for various uh, charitable functions, special events, et cetera? I'm sure. I'm sure they are. It's going to be major league uh, cool. dimensions, all that other stuff. So it should be a real. I'll have to ask her about all that, but mm-hmm. it's really cool when you look at it. You're like, that's a really nice high school baseball stadium. I would be more than happy to have played there to play my high school games. Hmm. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Bottom line is though, uh, we will not get your analysis on the four games uh, tomorrow's show. We'll have to wait for Friday. This is true, Coach. All right, very good. 888-463-6748, the phone number, Big Dog and a Coach at your service right up until 11 o'clock. And we do it each and every, of course, Monday through Friday, one hour a day, five days a week. That makes five in total. Big Dog, we got a little football coming up this weekend. we got uh, a vice presidential debate coming up tomorrow, which I know you're thrilled about. We also had your Chicago Bulls. I don't know if you caught any of it, I did not, but your young Bulls um, enter the playing field, the United Center Stadium, for the first time yesterday with a victory over the Grizzly. So oh, that's nice to know yeah. that they're playing already. Yeah. Marco Ballaleri, if that's one for seven. Taj well, no. Gibson, one for seven. Jimmy Butler, one for 11. So some of the uh, the bench mob, not, ex- <laughs> not exactly lighting it up. Marcus Teague, 0 for two and two turnovers. 
So the, the th- four of those guys combined were three for 27, which yeah. is an 11 point. That's a one, 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 one shooting. It's okay. We don't, we don't want to set the bar too high in the first preseason game. That isn't high. Yeah. All right. By the way, uh, uh, on an NFL football note midweek, and this is actually a big one because arguably the, Best team in the NFL, the Houston Texans thus far. I wouldn't call them dominant, but maybe overall the best team lost their best linebacker, their leading tackler, Brian Cushing, big dog, out for the season with an ACL. Wow, if you saw that injury, it didn't look like it was that bad. But you just never know with the ACL. So I guess when you take all those performance-enhancing drugs, they really don't help your ligaments and your tendons. Wow. Eddie Brinkman got off easy in the beginning of the show, David Olson. Big Dog all of a sudden firing some uh, salvos out there left and right. Where did Brian Cushing, who's a phenomenal linebacker, where did he play his collegiate football, Doug? He was the the weak side linebacker for USC, and the strong side linebacker back then was Clay Matthews. That was a pretty good uh, linebacking core for USC at the time. I think you or me could have played middle linebacker with that crew. I forget who the middle linebacker was. He's in the NFL, too. All three of the linebackers wow. are in the NFL. And Walter Perry's in the NFL as a defensive end. I mean, that freaking team was incredible, Coach. Wow. That was one of the best defenses of all time. Yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, that's... My uh, junior high coach... How, how good that defense was. My junior high coach said I was the weak side linebacker. He basically, after watching film, would comment that whatever side I happen to line up on, that seemed to be the weak side. So that was my position, Big Dog. It's funny because Clay Matthews is now the weak side linebacker in the NFL, and he makes yeah. more plays than any other. You know what I mean? I, I know that. Back, I wish you know. Back then, I took a lot of abuse for being the weak side linebacker. The coach would always pray, and probably me too, that the play would go the other way. Now, all of a sudden, forty years later, the weak side linebackers become the marquee position in the NFL. Mm-hmm. How do you like that? It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, my job was to make sure I had I, the one thing I could do to is I had outside containment. I would try to avoid blockers and having to make the tackle. So if a run came my way, I would slide five yards into the sideline area if I had to. <laughs> but, but I was going to make sure the runner cut back and I didn't have to deal with him. You know That's what I'm saying? Know, Coach. Yeah, thank you. That's good enough. Yeah, outside containment. So if you need an outside, if anyone needs an outside containment coach, I'm available for a uh, for a small price. Uh, you know, we mentioned South Carolina and LSU coming up this weekend, and that's good, another game. And we'll preview it more when we get the dog back on Friday and a football Friday. But Notre Dame going up against Stanford this Saturday, a game, um, to say yeah, the don't least. Don't fall asleep on how good Stanford has been this yep. year, Coach. They are a good squad still, even without Andrew Luck and all those tight ends and running backs that left after last season. Mm-hmm. Defense. Not so good in the last game. It finished late at night, much too late for most of us, but it was up near the 50s. They beat Arizona. I think it might have been an overtime, but the defense got shellacked. So they'll need to be a lot better against Notre Dame. But that that game, that's good stuff right there. I think that'll be national TV, I'm sure. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, both schools are dealing with the same academic restrictions, you know. so it's a, it's a pretty cool, mm-hmm. pretty good matchup. I think the toughest coaching job this week, uh, it was on the, I think they had some of the coach from the Big Ten conference coaches, you know, they have like a phone conversation with all 11, I almost said 10, all uh, 12 of the coaches, uh-huh. right, every Tuesday. Well, it's, it's comical to some extent to read Brady Hoke's uh, comments on the fighting Illini. 
who they're playing this week because he's you know he's doing the usual coach speak of trying to build up the opposing team. And uh, again, that might have been the toughest job in America last night for uh, Brady Hoke to do that about the Fighting Illini. But it's Michigan against Illinois, Big Doug, and uh, Illinois did play. Didn't their defense a little bit better against Wisconsin? A little bit. Any hope against Michigan? Well, um, obviously after watching the Wisconsin game, I would have to say yes, there is a little bit of hope. But you know, as soon as Wisconsin made a couple plays in the middle of the third quarter, everybody at Illinois put their head down yep. and walked off the field. So it's like... If, if they don't, I, I don't know what to tell about it. Like, don't those guys realize that in a 60-minute game they're going to have ups, they're going to have downs, and don't react like everything is bad as soon as something bad happens? Yep. So that is an issue that I'm worried with. Coach. By the Where way, I had an off-air call with theoretically inside information from Pigskin Boy yesterday, and based on the on-air call we got from Pigskin Boy, I would take this with a grain of salt and maybe uh, something stronger than salt, Big Duck. But according to Pigskin Boy... And I don't know what state he was in yesterday, but it wasn't a state you or me are familiar with. According to him, his inside sources tell him Tim Beckman is done, gone. They're going to buy out the contract, done after one year. Um, I don't know who his inside sources are, <laughs> but I, I'm not surprised at all by that, and I'm kind of hoping for it. And I, I don't want to be a hater. I don't want to be the blah, 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 you know, just the guy bitching about how bad your team is all the time. But the bed hire was just didn't make any sense from the get go, coach. It just did not make sense. So the guy was in over his head. By the way, I watched the uh, speaking of the Big Ten. I watched the Journey, which is the uh, Big Ten Network's little video montage. They follow players and teams around. They started with the basketball season. It was pretty cool. Anyhow, they did a little bit of segment on Denard Robinson, the fine quarterback that the Fighting Illini will be attempting to defend beyond his skills, big dog, and you can argue how good or how maybe not quite so good Denard Robinson is. What a classy, what a cool kid. They interviewed him and followed him around a lot, and particularly after his disastrous game against Notre Dame. Jay Rodriguez Cutler, the fine quarterback of the Chicago Bears, he needs to watch the Big Ten journey and the segment on Denard Robinson, and he needs to see how you stand up and accept without a pout on your face, but you stand tall, you look your teammates in the eyes, and as the quarterback, you are the leader, and you messed up, and you'll do your best not to have it happen again. Bottom line is, beyond his skills, Big Doug, he's a pretty cool guy, good character guy. He's gonna be a he's gonna be a good professional football player, coach. You think he's so? Be somebody's punt returner, getting the ball down the field in the passing game, uh, like as a receiver, and then every once in a while, you know, he'll line up behind center and you know and, and run for 15 yards. So mm-hmm. he's I, I do like Gerard Robinson, and uh, and one thing that he has learned to do is protect the football. Really think about between freshman year and here, yeah, his. Is he still can't throw, and there's a bunch of stuff that he can't do that well, but he doesn't turn the ball over anymore, does he? Obviously, against Notre Dame, that was a totally different game, totally mm-hmm. different story. But, uh, yeah, that's a guy who has really improved as a quarterback through his four years at, at Michigan. Yep. Jay Cutler, again, take note. I read, not to open up a wound, but I, I just have to bring this up here. The replacement ref who blew the call, apparently, I haven't seen him, but apparently he's doing, David Olson, a little bit of the talk show circuit. He's been at a couple shows. The replacement ref. 
And I didn't see this live, Big Dog, but I heard one of the games he was relating where they had a time management situation, and I think they were slow on the clock or whatever, and Jake Cutler came over to him and said, you effing replacement ref, can you get the effing time right, please? Now, again, I know there's profanity that goes on in the NFL, but I would just say just that comment right there, even in the heat of competition, to say that to a guy, it's, it's, it's a little thing, but that says something about your character. I think a so, lot so of players in the NFL, as mad as they get, wouldn't use that terminology to an adult refereeing a game. Yeah, you know, so so many of us, as just as Bears fans, okay, a lot of times, and you are exactly right, that, that shows bad character. But how about this? Just as Bear fans, stuff that we can control is the only thing we can ask Jay Cutler as a human being is to be a good Bears quarterback. Other than that, we've overstepped our boundaries. Yeah, I, right? I disagree it's with that. It's a weird way. I okay, disagree well, with you, that. If you, if you, well, you can disagree with that. that. That's fine. But all I know is this. As the Bears quarterback, what type of an effing joke of a quarterback would say something like that? You're supposed to say, yes, Mr. Official, no. And even if you're mad at hey, Mr. Official, you got to get this time right. Okay, buddy? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Now that official, oh, oh, uh, holding on Jamarcus Webb. Uh, delay a game on color. I mean, they're going to call everything against you. The guy's an idiot, coach. Okay, that's. I mean, I I understand what you're saying. We we expect more out of our players than just being good football players. We want them to be good guys off the field and all that. You know what? You know, honestly, yeah, we all would want that. But as Bears fans, even we can't expect all that. But we can expect our quarterback to act like a professional quarterback when he's on the football field. What do they say? Character is not. Made in the heat of competition, character is displayed. Subtle but significant difference. Thank you very yeah. much. By the way, before I forget, uh, Cinemax Cindy, your favorite female listener, Big Dog, has emailed in and she says, uh, you mentioned the Big Dog was going to wax poetic or speak about the oblique muscle. And I forgot to follow that up, but it does seem like, uh, first of all, she wants to know, how are your obliques? And second of all, why all of a sudden are we hearing about so many more oblique injuries in professional sports? It's just because they know what it is now. They've always been happening forever. Ah. Okay. And uh, in response to her first question, how are your obliques? Uh, you're going to have to ask a Lily the Lilac, but I can tell you something straight up, Coach. They're awfully nice. Is the oblique in the area of the love handle? Basically, yeah. That's that's. I don't. I don't have any love handles. But if I had them, ah. that's where the uh, love okay. the love handle would go over the oblique, and you wouldn't right. be able to see my oblique, which you can, by the way. <laughs> please, please. And by the way, I do personal train, so it's uh, you know, it, it costs it costs me twenty five bucks to get you in the East Bank. Okay, so mm-hmm. you pay that, and you pay seventy five bucks, and I will train you on how to get uh, oblique muscles. It's interesting. So you don't think all the advances in, in physical training and the amount of lifting that these guys do, uh, I'm going to give a very unprofessional term here, have strengthened and tightened the oblique muscles on some of these athletes almost too much. So now, in the course of intense action, be it a baseball pitcher or a football player making a tackle, they rip or they injure the oblique more than they used to. You know, I, that's, that's such a, a hard call, Coach, because I'm not sure about that because I do know this. The, the more you train your core, the better you're, you're going to have less back injuries. You're going to have less, uh, hamstring injuries. You're going to have less, like, shoulder injuries yep. because your body's in a better spot. So, 
yeah, I will have to say that if you concentrate and train uh, and overtrain a particular muscle by trying to compensate for something else, you can definitely put that muscle in a bad situation. But just training it will strengthen it. Overtraining it weakens it. So. Yeah. Yes, David. Well, I would say it would be the opposite. It would be lack of training on it, which would cause all the injuries. Yeah, yeah, Coach. The reason why they do these core trainings is to okay. prevent injuries. But, okay. but if you do overtrain it, Dave, then you also put in this, you know what I mean? So I, I, I don't think there's more oblique muscles now than there used to be. I just think that there's, mm-hmm. we know what to call them now. Okay. All right. Because we do hear about and it I, more. But that... I remember a, a, a running back from Downer South, and they call it a stomach muscle. Yeah. He's got a stomach pull. Well, he, that was like 25 years ago, and now they're like, oh, he's got an oblique. And now, like, the same coach who's at Downers in the South, we never had oblique pulls. Yeah, you did. Dan Lozerato had a stomach pull about 25 years ago. So. <laughs> All right, Dahl, we got to wrap it up. Enjoy the uh, ribbon-cutting ceremony tomorrow. Pass on our congratulations and kudos to Lily the Lilac, if you will, on behalf of all our listeners, and we'll talk to you Friday, okay? Sounds good. Later, everybody. There it is. Big dog off tomorrow for ribbon-cutting. Coach will be flying solo, but we'll be back at you, folks, with more fun and games and uh, certainly a four-game baseball report. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening. David Olson, producer, phenomenal job. We'll do it all over again tomorrow, 10 o'clock, Central Time. Don't be late. See you tomorrow.